a, a number of years ago when we were still meeting in uh, 19 on the Park. So we're going, we're going back some years now. Um, we had a couple of churches who had, who had said that they would partner with us as a, as a new venture trying to start out. And uh, a couple of churches that came alongside to offer us resources and, um, in terms of um, guidance or here, we, we, you can use some of the stuff that we've got or we can help you do this and here's some funding to help you start. And one of those churches was Scarborough Community Alliance Church. And at that time, we had some of those folks come up, and, and they helped us out. And then, then we, we heard about this awesome thing that was going to happen where we were being given a building. And on the day that we got that building, we had a, a big work party that came in from a number of different churches to support us. And one of the, one of the people that was here that day was part of Scarborough Community Alliance Church, one of the champions for us at that church saying, hey, let's support Into One. Let's do that. Well, he, he was here that day, and I can still remember his tool belt on, and he had the hammer out working up, uh, up in the balcony, and he was pulling wires and, and doing stuff for us. And that's, uh, that was before he was ready to take his next job, his next assignment, and that became uh, going to Cambodia. And today we have with us just that family. One of the families that we follow along with, you know, we try to update you on things that are happening with our friend Lisa Brown in um, the country that she's in that we're not supposed to talk about, and then uh, Derek and Bonnie Burnett in Thailand, and Kevin and Carol Lim in Cambodia. So they're going to come and tell us some of what they do, some of their stories, some of their outflow kind of thing. And so as they come now, in standard into one fashion. Could you please welcome them to the stage, Kevin and Carol Lim! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that feels like a game show. That was awesome. I love this community here. Thank you very much for having us. It's great to be here again. It's, yeah, it's been about almost seven years since I was here, six or seven years since we first came here. And uh, yeah, I still remember pulling all these wires. Uh, and I, I, we were, our family remembers this is a church where someone was generous to give my son a Pokemon card, his first Pokemon card ever. <laughs> and that started the addiction that our family now has <laughs> and has passed on to my daughter. So I say thank you into one. <laughs> That's what... That's what I remember was <laughs> one of the main things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're really glad to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Um, we are hoping to be, just be able to share some stories with you about the work in Cambodia as well as how God has been working in our lives. Yeah. Well, in Cambodia, we always say, actually, we should start off by saying, and basically, you're welcome. And, uh, and, and has anyone ever been to Cambodia? Not, not many yeah, people? Moses. Moses has been there. All right. Okay, so the rest of our time, we'll just do it in English then. All right. Well, when I, I, I grew up in the, the, the Toronto area here, and uh, I, I invited Christ into my life as a teenager. And one of the early memories I had as a teenager was rebelling against mom and dad, rebelling against the church, but also receiving God into my heart and having my life change. And I had a calling, which meant I had this deep desire to want to serve God. In, in the church, 
And so I, I asked my pastor, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you, like, serve God? And then he taught, told me, you know, you should think about going to Bible college. And I, I laughed at him, and I said, there's a place called Bible college? You know, like, <laughs> that's what, what do you do? You read the Bible all day or something like that? And I found out, yeah, that's kind of what they do. No, <laughs> no they actually, it's a great community. And I ended up having more and more of a passion for serving God. Locally, I served in, in Calgary. I served in Toronto area. But then God's always been putting a heart uh, in me for, for the lost, for people who don't know about God and, and who have little opportunity. And so my, my heart started hearing more about missions, and I started exploring that more. And so after we got married, uh, if you see that, that our slide there, you can go back a slide. But yeah, you, you can just see before we went out to Cambodia, we, we were stirring. Our hearts were stirring like, oh, could missions be for us? Yeah, yeah so for myself, I, um, I was born in Canada, but my parents were actually refugees that came to Canada in the 1980s, and they were sponsored. My dad was sponsored by a Mennonite church, his family, and my mom's family was sponsored by an Alliance church out in Alberta. And they met in a small uh, Vietnamese Christian community in Edmonton. So I was born in Edmonton and grew up in a Vietnamese church there. And I also had rebellious years where I was very anti-church and anti-institution. And, you know, I just didn't understand why we always had to go to church every weekend and, like, serve. And, you know, you had youth group and worship practice. And it was just very tiring always being um, involved in all these programs. And I just wanted to live my life. But um, when I, I think after first year of university, I really kind of hit rock bottom and I felt like I, I was questioning, like, what is my purpose in life? You know, why am I seeing all my friends just um, falling into these bad traps of, like, I had friends that were involved in gangs, and there was just a lot of um, sadness and mourning and grieving, death and pain. And so there, um, I had a cousin who was a Christian, and she said, oh, there's a school called Ambrose. At the time, it was Canadian Bible College. And they do this one-year program. You should, you should go, and maybe you'll find some of the answers you're looking for. So I had a chance to study at Ambrose, and I was, it was so, supposed to be a one-year program, but I ended up fin finishing my business degree there. And from there, I continued to work in business and human resources, and um, eventually, I met Kevin and married into a ministry family, even though that was really far from my mind. I was very anti-church, but still a <laughs> believer. And um, yeah, so part of our journey was that we continued to be very active um, Christians. Just we've always felt like God was calling us to use our giftings and time in different ways. So we served in various um, communities, uh, whether it be uh, in our church community or volunteering outside our church. And one day, um, we heard about this course called the Kairos course. So Kairos is a missions course that teaches um, about the foundation of missions and how since the beginning of Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God has been wanting all people to be reconciled with him. And he's been wanting his, good, his story of hope to be known to all nations. Mm -hmm. So one of the first uh, missionaries was actually Abraham in Scripture. So in Genesis, um, in the next slide, it says, 
God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Oh. Yeah. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God was calling Abraham to leave his hometown and to be a blessing to other nations. And this was the start of missions. And we started learning more about statistics on how, you know, about 90% of missionaries are working with people, groups that are already reached, like there's already a viable church. And only 10% of missionaries are working with people groups that have um, almost no access to the gospel. And then we also learned that there's over 6,000 different ethnic groups that still don't have access to God's word. Mm -hmm. And there was just, we could just see there's this need for more workers to be sent out to bring the story, God's story um, of hope to them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we ended up... uh after we both took the course, we took it separately, but God started working our heart to apply to serve in the field in the international context with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And uh, when we first applied, I was really hoping that we can go to a Spanish-speaking country, something with an easier language, like a level one language would have been good for me because I'm not that great with languages. I look Asian, but I, 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 just, I'm, I just speak English, you know? And people are like, oh, you must be multicultural. I'm like, not really. <laughs> but uh, I was hoping for it, but then end up, they end up assigning us to Cambodia. And I, I had never been there before. They just told me it's a level three language. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> is there anywhere else? But they said, oh, okay. Well, we prayed about it, and we discerned, actually, this is the place for us. Yeah. Um, let's see. So part of the reason they assigned us to Cambodia was there's a people group there, the Vietnamese, um, that was also unreached, and there were uh, the Vietnamese people um, are undocumented in Cambodia, so many of them have been displaced over time with war and political unrest, and so they have been living there for generations without papers. So they have limited access to education, um, health care, as well as jobs, and I grew up speaking Vietnamese, so um, we ended up both learning Cambodian, Khmer, while we were living there, but we also ministered to the Vietnamese people. And Cambodia is um, a tropical country. Um, we were serving in Siem Reap, Cambodia, which is a smaller city. So you have a combination of both kind of like urban and suburban, like rural and developed um, areas. Uh, sometimes we would travel by tuk-tuk, which is like a little um, small taxi, or sometimes we would ride using a moto around town. And it's also, um, Buddhism is also the national religion of Cambodia. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go to a quiz now. Usually quizzes are at the end. I'll do you a quiz right now. But first question is, what is the percentage of evangelical Christians in Cambodia? Why don't you shout out an answer for me? Two? two? One? Yeah. Who said two? Is it two? Yes. You win. You win. There you go. <laughs> The next slide, 2% are evangelical Christians. You win a mango, and uh, when you come to Cambodia, I'll give that to you. And then the next, the next question is this, a little, little different here. What is the percentage of Vietnamese evangelical Christians in Cambodia? Shout out a percentage here. 0.5, 0.1, 1, good guesses. 
No one won this one, though? Okay, yeah, see, it's closer to uh, point one. I'll give it to you. It was point two. 0.2% or actually 0.17 technically, you'd basically have to meet 500 Vietnamese people in Cambodia before you find one evangelical Christian. And this is the reason why the Christian Missionary Alliance has sent us to work with this people group, um, because the gospel is not, even though it's right beside Vietnam, that has many evangelical Christians in Cambodia, there aren't a lot. And so that's, that's why we're there. You know? um, before we went out to the field, there was, there's a lot of interviews we have to go through. You know, I have to meet different people and pastors interview us to, and missionaries interview us. And one of the questions that a pastor asked that I really respected, he asked me, Kevin, how are you going to respond to poverty? You know, and I thought that was a silly question. I'm like, oh, I'm from Toronto. We live with poverty all the time. And, you know, and I, I, I was like, what do you mean? And he said, well, what are you gonna, how are you going to respond to poverty? when you see it day in and day out. And I, I didn't really get it. I was like, I wasn't prepared for the question. And I said something like, yeah, I'm going to respond in, in love or something like that. And I walked away like he wasn't really happy with that answer and I wasn't happy with the answer and it stuck with me. It was one of those questions that you think about once in a while. And, and I, I was like, oh, how, how will I respond to it? I didn't really understand it, you know, because I always thought I got, I got it. You know, and, and there's this one verse I remember as a kid. You can go to the next slide. There's this one verse that hit me and says, Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And I remember reading this as a kid thinking, Oh, I'm glad I'm not rich. You know, and I thought, Oh, this, those rich people have a hard time, you know, entering the kingdom of God because they rely on their money or something like that. And I always I felt that. You know, and I'm not rich until, you know, I worked at the, as a short order cook in a restaurant, and, and then one, one day my colleagues, my coworkers were just talking about how poor they were, you know, and they were all in the kitchen prepping food, and, and they were all bantering. I joined them, and I said, yeah, yeah, and we started talking about how poor we are and whining about it, and then they, one of them looked at me and said, Kevin, you're not, you're not poor. You're a rich kid. And I'm like, I was offended. I'm like, What? You know, those people have a hard time getting into the kingdom of God. And that's not, you know, and he said, look, you got a gold chain around your neck. You know, I dropped you home last week and you, you ha your parents own a home. You're not poor, man. And I was taken back and I'm like, no, we are poor. My family cuts coupons every week. We go to four grocery stores just to get every deal. You know, we are frugal. And they laughed at me. They all laughed and they said, Kevin, poor people don't use the word frugal. We don't have a choice. You know, you're, you, your frugal means that you could buy it at full price. Your family just decides to go and buy it on sale, you know, and you, you have options. We don't have options. You know, and they told me about their living conditions, how they're on government-subsidized housing, and, and, how, and how badly they need every paycheck, every hour that they work there. And I started realizing, I'm, I'm not rich. I, I am rich. I'm not poor. And if I bring you to Cambodia with me, you immediately are considered rich. You know, and because you have a passport because you paid money for that passport. You can afford to travel to Cambodia. You're, you're privileged. You're, if you're like me, you like to rent a home or have a home that has things, luxuries like air conditioning, like a washing machine, like a fridge, 
you know, because over there, most people don't, don't have those luxuries often. Not everyone has that. You know, and I realize that I'm rich, it, it makes me have a different perspective that I can't always just rely on my money to solve every problem. You know, let's, we, we can go through days, I can go through the whole week, you know, and, and not think of sacrifice when I think of food. I can plan out my whole week of food, or I can buy my next meal without thinking of sacrifice. Maybe you're the same. The, the poor generally don't have that privilege. They, they have to sometimes think about whether to pay the bills or, or feed themselves. And in Cambodia, we struggled with this. Um, because, as you can see here, that you see this disparity of wealth very clearly. You know, Cambodia is, is considered a least developed country, and we see recyclers pulling, recycling along the road right beside luxury vehicles. You know, we, we see this every day, you know, and, and I think this is what that guy, when he asked me, Kevin, how are you going to deal with poverty? He's referring to things like this, you know, and there's, there's a temptation in me to always just want to help the poor by giving out money. It's a natural knee-jerk thing to just, hey, can I help you with this? But that kind of creates this, we call it a client-patron relationship, where I'm the, I'm the client, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the patron who's able to give, 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 and you're just the client here always asking. And we don't want that relationship. So in Cambodia, we could see that there was, not, there was a large uh, population of people that had physical needs that were being, weren't being met, as well as spiritual needs. And the, the type of Buddhism that's practiced in Cambodia is a syncretism of um, animism as well, where people live um, in f almost fear of spirits, that they believe that spirits have the power to um, give you good health and wealth, or it can harm you and make you sick. So they would often pay homage or give offerings to various idols and various spirits hoping that they would have better luck in life or a better future, maybe a better afterlife. Um, so we really had to go through a season of praying and listening to God to discern how do we help um, and be God's hand and feet in this nation where there's so many needs. Um, when COVID, when we first started, there were, we were helping with a ministry that had free tutoring um, classes, like where we were teaching English and math and also um, running um, worship services on Sundays for kids and adults. But when COVID came, um, all of the, these programs shut down. Uh, the government didn't allow any more large gatherings for over a year. And we really had to just rethink, like, how do we do ministry? And God, what is it that you're asking us to do? So... One of the first things we did um, was we said, well, we felt like God was leading us to do more small group ministries and focus in on the adults because the it, um, kids were more vulnerable and um, the government was really strict about not having children gather in um, large groups. So we did small groups and um, I, amongst the Vietnamese, because there's so few leaders and believers, um, I started to pray and ask God, like, are there any Vietnamese Christians in this community that could help me run these small groups? And God answered. He opened the door for us to meet a couple of Vietnamese Christians that had actually been discipled by Cambodian churches just through friends and 
um, friends of friends, we, we, we prayed and we, we started putting the word out there that we're looking for Vietnamese believers. And so we were able to start uh, about three small groups, and these people faithfully would um, come together weekly, and we learned how to be a fellowship of believers that prayed for one another, that cared for each other, and became generous with the community. Um, I remember um, Grandpa Tuan, for example, he um, has been a believer for many years, but he didn't truly um, understand all the uh, God's truths and promises. And so when we were studying scripture, we studied from the beginning, Genesis all the way to Jesus. And one day after um, learning about the Ten Commandments, I should say a few weeks after learning about the Ten Commandments, um, Grandpa Tuan started sharing with people about how he believes that God is telling him, I need to start practicing Sabbath. Because for these people, every um, usually they would only come to small group or worship if um, they made enough money from Monday to Saturday. Um, they were these, uh, most of the Viennese people are recyclers that look through, that pick through garbage every day looking for plastic or cardboard, metal, anything that could sell. And they're maybe making about five to $10 a day. So if they didn't make enough for the week, they often would say, sorry, um, teacher, sorry, Miss Carol, I can't make it this Sunday. I really have to keep, keep working. And Grandpa Tuan one day just said, um, declared to the whole small group, I'm going to start practicing Sabbath because I want to honor God and I want to tell, show him everybody that I can depend on him to provide for me, even if I don't make enough money from Monday to Saturday. And that was just one of those moments where you could see God's word, um, a truth that really became real for, for the local people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we... We work with two people groups, the Vietnamese and the Khmer, and many of them that we worked with were, were poor. And on both sides, sometimes we would have people ask us for money uh, as a regular thing, but, um, and sometimes these people are not strangers, they're, they're, they're from our church. There's a picture of someone here asking you, can they borrow some money? And that's a hard thing, um, especially when you're friends with them. Uh, I'll tell you a story about this one, one woman, I'll call, I'll call her Tita. Tita had a hard, hard time before COVID. Her husband left her with three kids, and, and she ended up, she's a market seller. I was going to the next slide. You can see what a market seller looks like there. And she was having a hard time making ends meet. And even when COVID hit, and when COVID hit, basically, it, it was harder. So she took out more loans. She already had a mortgage. She took out another loan, and then she took out another loan from a loan shark. And eventually, she had to take the next month, even after that, she had to trade her her scooter in, her only mode of transportation for another loan. And she was getting really, it, having a lot of problems. And she basically came to us at this point and said, Kevin, Carol, can you help me? Can you give me a loan so I can get my scooter back? And the temptation just comes again. Can I just solve this problem by going to my wallet? You know, and it's a little arrogant of me to always just want to go to it and solve the problem. But we're feeling that God, God's telling us, no, that's not the way. And so we really had to seek God in this time. Like, how do we solve this? How do we respond to the poverty here? And we knew that we couldn't just do, do a Band-Aid solution to, the, to all this. So as we listened um, to God, and then we were also listening to Tita, uh, we began to counsel her spiritually. 
uh, we found that one of her biggest issues was that she felt like a lot of shame and she didn't, um, she didn't have any more hope. And we needed to encourage her and tell her that, no, God's word says that you are beloved, that you have worth, that even if you lost all your possessions, your hope is still in Christ. And your life has value, and God created you for a purpose. And when she began to have hope in life again, um, one of the ministries that came out of this was we started to really evaluate, well, how many, how many people in our churches and their communities are struggling as sellers in the market or just uh, people looking for more income? And we realized that it was the majority. So we asked them, like, do you think if we offered you some small business training, would that, would that help you with your livelihood? And a lot of, a lot of women who are often the, the managers of money in their household said, yes, yeah, we would love that. And so we... Um, so using my business background, which I didn't know I could, would be able to apply in Cambodia, uh, we just, we started to offer some business training and with a bunch of ladies and it was really fun because these ladies would come together and as we were learning about budgets and how to balance your books and track expenses, revenues as well as sales, um, they were giving each other feedback on their business ideas and business models and they became good friends. And we also studied scripture about um, how to be a good steward of what God has given you, whether it be your time, your talent, or your, um, your treasures. So we, um, it, it was, and out of this, the ladies who came up with the best business plans, we also gave them a small microloan so they can continue to grow and expand their businesses. Mm -hmm. So we put that together. And one of the things that really came out of this time was, was really financial counseling. Um, and this has leaned into my pastoral experiences. And I, I, for a while, I even dabbled in financial uh, management, financial planning. And so we offered this to people and we taught people courses, a course on how to manage your finances and how to be a better steward of what God's given you. And that's one of the first lessons we teach them is that everything we have belongs to God. And it's a, that perspective changes everything when you realize that we're just managing what, what God's given us. And, and through this counseling, many, many things changed for Tita. I'll tell you about another family, uh, a couple who was, um, was struggling. This other couple we didn't have a lot of relationship with but met them through another organization. They, they ended up saying, we, we're, we're struggling. We, we have a hard time. They, there's a family, they're a family of um, eight, right? Yeah, six kids. Six kids and a the couple came to me and said, yeah, we have family problems and we have financial problems. And then, can you help me? And they've asked other people for help. And finally, we said, okay, can I sit down with you and talk? And I want to understand your situation. And we found out they had six loans. You know, and three of the loans I would consider very, very difficult to get out of, right? And, and I, I, I still asked them, so let's talk about the small loan. How much is that? They said it's $300. $300 loan they have. I'm like, okay. To me, I'm thinking that's not that bad. It's the smallest one. And I, and I said, how much, how much interest is that? And they said, I don't know. That's not a good sign. Well, how much do you pay every month? They said, we pay $30 every month. I was like, oh, that's 10% that's, that's every month. Okay, so how much, how much, like, how many times, how long have you had this for? Well, we give them $30 every month. We've been very faithful. We paid them for three years already. 
I'm like, how much is that going towards the principal? And they go, I don't know what you mean. I said, how much is left? They go, $300. We started at $300 three years ago. We still have, we still pay. And I'm like, do you not see how you can't get out of this loan? And they had three of these loans. They had three other big ones too, but that, that's, and then they said, Kevin, how do we get out of this? You know, and then we did the financial counseling. The next slide will show you after we do the basic budget with them, they see this, this chart here. You know, basic income, outcome, outflows, you know, expenses, and then they, see, they saw the red and like roughly, this is just not their story, but you see how much they're missing every month. Basic stuff that maybe we take for granted. And then the couple just broke down and cried at me and said, is this why we're, we're not making it every month? You know, and it's just one family out of almost 30 that we, we met with. And many of them were like this situation. They didn't know how to get out of it. They had four incomes for their family, and they weren't cutting it. Four incomes is actually quite a lot for in, over there. And they had the means to get through it. They needed some guidance, and they needed to really put their hope back in God. And so once we taught them about the stewardship, they, they started to see more hope. And so this, from this, we, this, this is the stuff that fuels me. You know, that gives me energy, you know, when I see that they're in this down spot, but we can actually help them. We give them guidance. We teach them what Scripture t talks about finances, you know, and we're, we're called to be a blessing. Back to the Kairos course, I was just thinking about how can we be a blessing and how can we take their, what Carol and I have learned even here in Canada and apply it over there. To be honest, going to Cambodia is, it does cost us. It, it hurts because we didn't see our family for four years. You know, we, we missed important milestones. Uh, Carol's sister had a baby we never saw until she was four years old. You know, uh, so you miss that. You miss funerals. You miss certain weddings. Um, COVID was a little easier because it seemed like everybody missed weddings and everything. But, <laughs> but, but we got to join virtually, you know, like everyone else. But it was hard. We, left, we, we had to leave the comforts of Canada. And, and so that costs us a bit. But we also gain a lot. We gain, we gain the joys of ministry. We gain joys of these stories where we meet people. We see people get out of hopeless situations. You know, um, one of my biggest worries was my mom. Is, uh, my mom's 80, now she's what, 80, 85. And she was getting up there in age, and we moved to Toronto to be close to her. But then we ended up having a call to go to Cambodia, and one thing she said to me is, Kevin, don't let me be the reason why you have to stay here. You know, I give you my blessing to go. And it was a very tearful moment, you know, where we're all, where I remember right before we were going to the airport, she repeated that blessing and said, I, I you know, bless you guys to go, you know, don't worry about me. And it was a bittersweet moment, but it was, it was joy that, that, that really stood out. One of the gains there. Because we have a heart to really want to help and serve. The next quote here is um, from an author called Ken Shigematsu, who's a pastor in Vancouver. And he says this, While material things such as nice clothes, a nice car, a nice home do elicit a certain amount of pleasure, they can only deliver the lowest level of happiness. The highest levels of happiness come from generativity, which is offering your life to others and surrendering to an unconditional, infinite life. 
And I love this quote because it reflected kind of how we feel, like when we offer ourselves out for others, that's what, that's what your slide about generosity was, about serving. You know, that, that it, have you ever really helped other people and experienced that type of joy? It's very different than like, like getting a new toy or getting a new, something else new. You know, and so the next, next slide is a, is a vision prayer that uh, one of the, the Alliance has. And it says, oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. And this is, this is the prayer of the CNMA, our organization, but also our prayer. And, and uh, our hope is that we'll, this, we'll see this continue. Yeah, as we look around, um, I'm sure there's a lot of very talented and gifted people in your church. Um, and we just want to encourage you to continue to engage in your local context. We can see that the nations are coming to Canada. There's so many international students, um, refugees, people resettling for different reasons. And it's an opportunity for you to be Christ, Christ's hands and feet to reach out and use whatever giftings he's given you to be a blessing for others. Mm -hmm. And so we hope that you can ask God, how should I use my time, finances, and talents for his glory? And just in, and ask God and listen, how, what might you be asking me to engage in locally or perhaps even um, globally one day? Uh, we, I heard some great stories from Moses, how he, God has been actually uh, calling him to, to serve in Cambodia over the years and just helping to train teachers. And I think that's awesome. And I hope that your church continues to do that and lean into what God might be calling you to. Um, yeah, th th thank you for letting us speak here and share some stories with you. We have many more, but we don't, we're limited in time. But this is this is a website here that you can contact us or just sign up for a newsletter. Um, so please feel free to, to, to sign up there. Yeah. yeah, we have some bookmarks and prayer cards in the back. Feel free to grab some. And we're also um, selling some products that are um, made by some business as missions organizations in Cambodia that um, offers dignified work for women that used to work in a garbage dump in Cambodia. So yeah, we'd love to talk to you more if you're interested in learning more about the work in Cambodia as well as other mission opportunities. Yeah, thank you. Can I pray for you right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us skills and abilities and blessings. And Lord, we pray that you can use us in whatever capacity to, to be a blessing to others. Lord, we, we know we are very privileged where you've given us so much. And Lord, may we share it with our neighbors or anyone else who is, in, is lacking. And may we do it all in love. Lord, may we, we see, see ourselves in, in others. May we see you in others. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you.